welcome to a brand new episode of Seize the Moment Podcast. Today we have a very special guest. We have Lewis King. He's a director of outreach, assemblies, and concerts at the Aim for the Heart organization. He's expressed his message of emotional literacy education behind the walls of San Quentin Prison to the halls of Princeton University and more. He's traveled from San Quentin to Harvard sharing his message and teaching emotional literacy through music and art. He's toured the world with artists such as Earl Sweatshirt, Anderson Pock, and The Outlaws. He's been featured as a hip-hop performance artist on Netflix, HBO, and Fox Sports, and has worked on soundtracks such as Star Wars and Planet of the Apes. And he's currently working on a Web3 project on Gala Music with some of the biggest hip-hop icons. And Louis, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate y'all having me, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. And so, and you know, I know the audience here doesn't really know the background here, but it was really dope, man, that we reached out to you because you saw our interview with Edie, who obviously we love from the Outlaws. And it's so cool, man, that we get to connect through hip hop. And then I obviously found out about Aim for the Heart, which I've known about for a while, but I didn't know that you were a part of it. So that's where I want to start this conversation at this point, man. So can you tell us what Aim for the Heart is, your relationship with Layla Steinberg, and essentially where this whole thing is going? Yeah, I'd love to. So Aim for the Heart is a nonprofit. Um, it was started, founded by Layla Steinberg and pretty much started out, um, you know, as assemblies in motion um, in the Bay, I believe. Um, they would go into schools and do assemblies and, uh, you know, pretty much create, you know, really what we do is we manage we teach the youth and really whoever we could be youth, could be adults. We all need it, you know, um, how to manage their emotions using music and art. It's a tool. It's very teachable. Um, and we believe that the easiest way to reach the youth is through music and art. So that's the tool that we choose to teach. Emotional literacy is the term. And, you know, pretty much that's just the ability to you know manage identify assess access the emotions of oneself and others as well and so that's what we we're in a school in a prison in a, a community space um wherever we'll, we we show up and we <clears throat> do our assemblies and our workshops mm. and you know layla's been consistently coming in that's her favorite word consistent mm. Um, she's been doing this since the 90s, probably before it was cultivated, probably even before that. Um, but Tupac was one of the first um, one of the first artists to come through the program, um, started out in her living room in, in the Bay. And, you know, you can see kind of some info with that in the, the Hulu doc, um, who shot Tupac, we just kind of talked about um, <clears throat> you know, check that out too. But anyway, um, she pretty much like would have these Ray Love and Pac and these artists just over in her living room and they would write on a topic each week and they would come back the next week and share on that topic and give feedback. You know, I like, I like that piece that you, you know, I really like that piece because, you know, I lost my dad too. So when you said that one line, like I made me feel that, too, you know, I mean, this yeah. and this is just like very powerful because whether you are the person sharing the music, whether you're the person who's uh, giving the feedback, 
or whether you're just someone that's sitting there listening and observing it, you know, you're feeling this thing. You don't even have to say nothing, you know? So, you know, they, that is the program. I could talk about it for a long time, but yeah, we're still in, in, in schools every day, weekly, bi-weekly, um, you know, as well as, you know, where we go do this in, done it in San Quentin in LA County, Lancaster, uh, and just uh, Arm Ironwood pre, um, State Penitentiary, and and yeah, just any anywhere that needs it. We've done workshops like this with Aim for the Heart at SoundCloud and WME and major organizations as well. So, you know, schools. Um, it's really cool. It's really it's purpose driven work. We call it heart work. So it's like in my life, I felt like I've constantly been creating music. And, um, you know, working in the, the business of music and but really focusing on my hard work has been leading me the direction. This stuff that I'm just like, I know God wants me to do this and it's what I love doing and it helps people and it helps me. Um, so kind of just following that path is kind of helped me to open up, up, you know, just in the music industry in general, in the business. And, and vice versa, being able to, you know, um, work and, you know, uh, pay the bills and put food on my kids' plate, you know, through music mm -hmm. allows me the time to then go into these spaces and share my music and my art and, you know, this um, tool, you know, that we're really just sharing because everyone has it. Everyone can do it. It's just more about showing someone how to do it um if they don't know because everyone doesn't know so, absolutely um, yeah and i'm actually curious like what first brought you to aim for the heart because like i imagine i mean i'm i'm with you you know you're like oh that, like this is the message i want to spread and mm -hmm. this is to really help people and that's a meaningful thing but i'm really curious like how you first like came to be with them like what kind of brought you there yeah it's a great question um yeah. it it happened really through, like, I'm a believer that nothing happens on coincidence. Mm -hmm. And it also, being that Tupac was my favorite artist, for sure, the Outlaws were my favorite group. Um, I didn't go looking for it. You know, I, I didn't, I had always heard that uh, I went to school, I'm from LA, I went to school in Santa Monica High School, which is like a famous high school, you know, mm -hmm. and um, I had always heard that like, there was, you know, that Layla Steinberg or, you know, the manager Tupac was in um, Venice, but I didn't know for sure, but I had this really awesome friend, Devaney, that, you know, was I was really close to, really cool. We, I'd come over to her house, she'd come over to mine. We all had like friends in the same group and, you know, that just like my my day one, you know, little did I know, <laughs> you know, fast forward to however many years later, I'm going to a, I'm like doing some shows, you know, I had this project International Slap that that went viral on Datpiff and was booking some international shows in like Norway and Oslo. And Damn. I went to this club in Hollywood and they were trying to book me there and and they get yeah, this i'm giving you the real story they gave me some weed 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and, and like, and I'm like, okay, like they, you know, they put you in a little section, give you some. I'm like, all right, they want to get like a, they want to get a good deal or something. I don't know. My homie was the connect for it. I didn't really know who who was the promoter or who was running it, mm-hmm. but it turned out that you know, I uh, Edie happened to be involved in the ownership of the management of the club. Mm. And I went to like, there's like a little VIP coat hanging section. And I just walked past it and seen a man inside it and was like, hey, brother, like, you know, is there a, a 7-Eleven? You know what I mean? I could grab a blunt. This is the real story. I was like, hey, you know the 7-Eleven I could grab a blunt from, you know? He was like, yeah, it's just to the right. And then he was like, well, what, what kind of blunt you need? And I was like, oh, I'm looking for, I'm embarrassed to say it now, but I don't smoke Swishers no more. But back then it was a Swisher. You know, he's like, oh, I got you here. <laughs> and when he talked, I was like, yo, like, like, you know what I mean? I recognize his voice. Like, clearly I know Edie, I mean, who, what, who right. he is, how he sounds. It just was so random that I wouldn't have expected him because I didn't like clearly he was, he was just, he's a part of the ownership of the club. So he just mm-hmm. happened to be right there. So I didn't necessarily like think it was going to be him. We got to talking and I told him about my project that was, you know, doing some, some big numbers internationally and that I had a show that I was, that was booked out in Europe. And he told me, Oh yeah, you know, well, we got some shows in Europe too coming and, you know, send me some music. You know, wow. if it, if it, you know what I mean? Like we kind of just chopped it for a while. So it wasn't like, um, he said, send me some music. We'll see what, you know what I mean? Could happen. And mm-hmm. sent him my card. Um, Cause they was going on the, the 20th anniversary outlaws or something like that. Outlaws okay. um, international tour. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, got his card. You know, you from LA, you get everyone, you get hella people's cards. You see hella people, yeah. you see hella celebrities. Hell, you know, it ain't like <clears throat> nothing is, you know, um, not like when you in Nebraska coming from the living, you know. Right, right, right. So anyway, that's 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 a that's like Friday night, Saturday night. I go, and this is like ten years ago. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So Saturday night, I go, and I go to my homie had an event, like an art event at a gallery, and I go in the art event, and. It's um and yeah, I seen that's when I seen Layla Steinberg in that and I recognized her. And um I didn't necessarily know I I, I recognized her as Layla Steinberg, you know, because at that point, like I'm you know, just I'm an art, I'm an artist, I'm just doing my thing. And um and then yeah, she had recognized me and she had said, Oh, you know, my kids love your project, you know. Wow. And I was like, like, oh, your kids love them. I didn't, I didn't put two and two together. Um, and then I saw my friend Devonny's little brother, Naiku, who's also like my little bro, you know what I mean? But I didn't know, I didn't know. You see what I'm saying? I didn't had I hadn't put it all together then. So when he came out, then I was like, oh, that's crazy. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And that's why yeah. I say, like, I didn't it, we didn't try to make it happen, any of this, it just it just I just happened to be Tupac happened to be my favorite artist. I happened in, to to see Layla again this day. And then Devony, you know, Devony really like I, I want to shout out to Devony too. Like she really, you know, because Devony is 
Earl Sweatshirt's manager. You know what I mean? So that's how I started wow. working with Earl. And Devin, he started bringing me to Earl shows and, you know, was telling Layla, yo, you, you should you should rock with my friend. He's like got a movement going on. And so, you know, eventually that led to me <clears throat> touring with Earl and, you know, um, like you said, all the stuff we talked about in the beginning. But um, but yeah. And but before all that, even before all that, my mom, uh, I meet Layla that next night and I had met Edie the night before my mom. I told my mom about it. I thought it was pretty cool. Mm. My mom said, oh, my mom's a manager too. Like mm. she managed my dad. So she thinks like with that mind state. And, and she was like, you know, oh, you got to uh, reach out to Layla and ask Layla to reach out to Edie and Noble about the tour. Mm. You know what I mean? And I was like, nah, mom, like I just... I just reconnected with her. Like, I don't want to ask for Yeah, you face. don't want to be pushy, yeah. yeah. Like, I, that's not who I am. And she was like, you should, you need to. And I was like, nah. And then like, like 12 hours passed by and I was like, you know what? You're right, mom. Yeah, <laughs> so mom. I went, I did it. I sent the message and then Layla hit me right back. She's like, oh, absolutely. I'll give him a call right away. And she's, you know, obviously Layla's like amazing person. Mm -hmm. um, and she called Edie and Noble and, you know, for next week or was it maybe two couple more weeks later, you know, we on the road, we in, we in Europe, uh, London was our first show and we kept going doing, we did the whole Europe run that this back with Fatal was alive. Um, so Fatal was like just super solid to me. Yeah. That's so, that's so dope that you knew him, man. I wish I met him. Man, he was just he was the guy, man. All of them. I, I got so much love for 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 absolutely Layla, for for Noble, Edie, I mean, and for Fatal. Like these guys took me under their wing. Like, mind you, this is 10 years ago. So I didn't have I ain't have no features with Snoop Dogg or you know what I mean, Wiz Khalifa. I ain't have none of this shit. I just they just was like, yo, I I like what you're saying, I like how you rapping, and I support the person you are and what you're doing in the community. So that's kind of how we, that's kind of how it all. And then once I came back from tour, that's when I really start. Cause we did, we did Hellas, we did Europe, then we did Canada, we we did Africa, we did Nepal. Like we've been around the world, you know what I mean? In the last 10 years. Um, so they, once I came back, that's when I started really dive going really heavy into aim for the heart because I just realized it was so, aligned with what I was doing and what I grew up I grew up playing drums in school because I'm an African drummer my, my dad's from Africa so every time there was an African uh like my godfather drum you know marched with Martin Luther King like anytime there's an African history month or some shit like that I'm playing in the school so aim for the heart was like I, I, that was like perfectly aligned with what I was doing because mind you there's not there's not a thousand African drummers in LA you know, right. you know what I mean? So you, at least in the nineties, it wasn't or the two thousands. Um, now there probably is for sure. But anyway, so yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of like my origin story of, of. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, 
and it's know? so and it's so dope, man. So I know I told you a little bit about this. So Alan and I got our start at the Ofrel Online Network. So like super yeah. random, man. Like yeah. Edie's team reached out to us and they were like, "Yo, listen, do you guys?" So first I used to write for them. So I have because I have a blog and I wrote for them then. And then so after like, I think it was about like a year or something like that. So Vegas reaches out to me and he's like, "Hey, man, like, yo, do you think you guys would want to do a podcast?" And they put us side by side with the Dinner Club, which you were on. So yeah, man, yeah. lots of love there, dude. So like Edie's one of yeah. those dudes, man. Where like, yo, he'll put you on. Like if he really likes your stuff. He will legit put you on. And he's that's got what... potential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so oh, I... Yeah. yeah, and I think, like, for all of us, man, like, we really appreciate people like that. So, I mean, because obviously, like, yo, you can't get ahead on your own, no matter how much talent you have. You always need somebody to pick you up. And so I actually now kind of want to get into your thoughts about Tupac. So, because, like, Pac did that for other people. So when we had Napoleon on, who's one of our guys, so Napoleon's like, yeah, man, listen, yo, Pac heard me, so I rapped for him, and he's like, oh, like, that's it, man. He's like, you're coming with me, mm -hmm. which is, like, so dope. He's like, yo, Pac, and he said this, this is me verbatim quoting him he's like yo Pac could have left me on the streets man he's like he could have just left me to like die out there and he's like nah yo you're gonna be on my team and then this is a great story so Moo's uh brother just passed away Camille and so Pac actually took Camille in too and he was like yo I want you to be the lawyer of the family because I don't want you to be a rapper he's like I don't want you in the business with us he's like you're really smart I'm gonna take care of you I'm gonna support it so didn't necessarily happen but fact of the matter is that this is who these people are man so mm -hmm. for you and your appreciation for Pac the music everything your love for him just in general can you tell us some of the reasons why you kind of fell for uh fell for the music why what you liked about the person and if one of the things or one of the aspects of his character in this case obviously being the fact that he was so community-minded and oriented and that he cared so much about people was that also one of the reasons why you were so turned on to his stuff man uh, absolutely i mean pop uh like you know like i said before i don't believe and coincidences, you know, and um, excuse me, you know, Tupac, I, I can't even, I can't even tell you why specifically, like, like I can get into, but I can't even tell you why, why I felt so connected to Tupac and his music for so long. Like, I don't even know, like I could say theories, but, but I mean, um, I just felt like I grew up in LA and my family was not from LA, you know, mm. they, my dad is from, from Nigeria, you know, but um, in the same sense, like my family is activists, you know, they are like spiritual drummers. Like they were the first drummers in America to have a major deal. They were the first ever African wow drummers or artists in general ever to have a deal, a major label deal in America before Fela Kuti. So I'm talking about James Brown was opening for these guys. Um, and, and when I talk about my godfather, Baba Olatunji, he was absolutely a revolutionary in this country wow. uh, before, you know, he marched literally with Martin Luther King playing drums. He went to Morehouse um, he's the one, you know, that my dad kind of got with when he came, got to America. And, you know, he's played with, they, they played with everyone from Grateful Dead, Rolling Stones. What? Dad is on Michael Jackson Thriller playing drums. They playing. What? So, Which song? Uh, all, the whole album. They what? In the whole album. Yeah. What? Wow. So, African drums, you know what yeah. I mean? Because Michael ain't like nothing normal. He ain't like no, yeah, yeah, yeah. just whatever everyone else. He wanted to get something that you couldn't get. And yeah. So I say all that to say, like, 
before I was even, uh, I don't want to say before I was born, but before I was, before I knew that eventually, like, this was going to be, like, a community space that I would be kind of pox community has been from for my for my whole life kind of mm-hmm. people that knew and work with Pac have been supporting me like just for so long it's like a beautiful thing and so my godfather Babo Latunji Layla Steinberg and you know uh they made the rose that grew from concrete with Pac's poetry mm-hmm. Well, on that album, my godfather is actually, you know, singing one of the songs on that album. Um, the, wow. Literally, The Rose That Grew From Concrete, if you search that song on YouTube, you'll hear my godfather. He's the one that's saying it on the album. So, so it's a very, like, just, like, the the way that the, all this stuff happened, I say it wasn't like, I didn't go and try to find someone or, you know, and so with Tupac, I just felt like I just always kind of identified with his character and wanting to do more and be involved in change, active in change. He's a leader. Uh, he wasn't like, he wasn't a coward at all. You know what I mean? He was the type of person that uh, like, you know, literally see some people driving, you know, he driving down the street, see some, see some, uh, cops or who you even yeah, know they shot, shot a couple of off-duty cops yeah you know what i mean like how like when i tell people i'm like when they when they mm-hmm. start talking about Pac, like oh he wasn't this it was like brother yeah look around your friends look around the people you know and ask how many people would be do would be driving and, and stop and do that for for another person you know a I mean? random person too yeah a, a random person you know what i mean that's like a very point oh 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 percent of human beings would do that yeah, you yeah. know, um, and then Wait, if it's okay with you, man, can I just tell yeah. the story for our audience who don't know? You might not actually know it yeah. too. You're so yeah, Rose. What? Never mind, go for it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. So yeah, so with Pac, there was a night where they were driving, they were in a limo, and then he sees these two dudes, these two black dudes being harassed. Yeah. And so he comes out, he says, Oh, what's the problem? So it's a bunch, it's a two white dr- drunk white guys, right? Mm-hmm. So he's like, Oh, what's the problem? And they're like, Yeah, fuck off, you know, like who the hell are you? Get the fuck back in the car, whatever, right? So they kind of start like going back and forth or whatever. Yo, Pac gets behind the I don't even think he got behind the car. He gets on his knees and he starts shooting them, right? So come to find out, and he shot them like in the leg or whatever. So so it wasn't like for anybody, it's like, oh my God, he's fucking shooting people. No, he shot ass. them like in the ass. Yeah, he shot him in the ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, come to find out that they were two off-duty cops, man. And so like these dudes that were harassing harassing this person, they were literally fucking cops. And so they had to take him to court. I, the case was eventually dropped. But yeah, such a fucking yeah. crazy story, man, because nobody would do something like that. I don't know if Edie was there that night, but it would have been cool. I don't remember. Yeah, I think I think Edie was there, um, and like they talk about a little, even a little more in the uh, in the documentary, and they in the Hulu doc, and they talk about yeah, like the cops came, and the cops come to the studio, and I guess like they know some crazy shits going down, like Pac gonna get arrested for it or whatever, um, and and they're like, what do you want to do? Like, should you run or something? He's like, nah, just. I just want to hear this song one more time mm-hmm. and the cops come and he gets arrested. Here's a song. You know what I mean? Um, but pretty much they said like the song was dear mama. And I just mm-hmm. felt like that's such a, a pock thing. Like he's getting arrested for like shooting the cop, you know what I mean? And he's like finishing putting the touches on dear mama. Like I just thought that was so, so beautiful. Like as far as like the human being, the different sides of a human being can have, you mm-hmm. know, 
but uh yeah, yeah and, how, and, and how much he put himself on the line for other people man i mean so yeah going back to moose story that's what was so dope about it so moose like yo he didn't even know me i was just some dude to him you know and then he takes me in like and oh yeah and then of course he tells a story when like moose tells him about his parents and everything i mean i'm not gonna rehash that because i mean we've talked about it on the podcast so many times but mm -hmm. so like uh yeah with his parents getting shot and then so Pac cried yeah. he literally cried when he heard that story oh yeah, yeah. That's you know interesting. No, and they, absolutely. Oh, my bad, Phil. No, no, uh, go for it. Go for it. I just was gonna say, yeah, Edie, like Edie told me on the on the um on the Breakfast Club one day. I mean, on the Dinner Club. Dinner one day, Club. Uh, on the Dinner Club, he was telling me that um after our we did the Europe trip, um he was just talking about like with Pac how he they did a whole outlaw a whole outlaws tour driving behind the tour bus mm -hmm. you know? and and it was like you know Pac had that work ethic yeah but where like like you said like he'll give you an opportunity like it may not be like an easy gig <laughs> you know it may not be like a luxury gig but if you want to get it you can go get it you know and like the outlaws, you know, they're Machiavelli trained. Like, that's what it means. Like, it's a certain, you know, it's a certain details in how this person was not wasting time. They was not like holding punches or, you know, all these, these details, you know, when I, when I travel with the outlaws, like we go, we do a show, mm -hmm. we go shoot a video, we go do this, go to the studio, record this, we go, we make rounds like we're not chilling. You know, it ain't never been like that. Like I was trained by them and they were right. trained by pot. You know what I mean? Like on the road before I before I before I did. I didn't tour with Solange, Erica Badu, Anderson Pack. I'm talking about Madison Square Garden sold out before I did any of that. I was learning it from Edie and Noble. You know what All I'm right. saying? And Fatal, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's just it's work ethic and, and just humility like. You know, I mean, Pac, Pac did that. You know what I mean? Pac found a way to get on, like, um, with Layla Steinberg, like, Pac, people, people don't know, like, Le uh, Pac was a dance, you know, a dancer with the yeah. digital background, like, whatever he had to do to get on, it wasn't no thing. Like, when I was touring with Earl, I was tour managing, like, I knew I'm an artist, you know what I mean? But I can do that, whatever you need me to do, I'm gonna get it done, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. this is vision, you know what I mean? So... I, I I just always um, respect like the the work ethic of Pac, and I think like that's something that no one really was fucking with, you know. And so I did a project called before I I toured with Earl, you know, in 2018. I did a project called The Beautiful Grind, where I <clears throat> did uh, not did but released three songs, a new song every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for a whole year every single week um sometimes i'll do four or five six songs but i wouldn't it's only releasing three every day for a year just to have that consistency and to kind of separate myself and kind of build um just something unique for myself that i felt like i needed so yeah i just say all that to say that like um you know for me um <clears throat> i wanted to I love doing this shit. Like I was just talking to Young Noble the other day and we were talking about this album that I'm rolling out now and 
And we were saying, yeah, I've been waiting for this shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, like I, I didn't want to do it with the wrong people. I wanted to do it like independently with the right people. So I even held out, held off for a long time and did what I had to do to, to, to like make the ends meet. Cause I knew this shit was going to pop eventually. Um, and I was talking about, he's oh yeah, you gotta, you say, yeah, I, I, I went and got a job teaching. Po he said, we're doing what? He said, oh, you teach poetry to kids. I said, no, what's said, That's not a job. We love doing that shit. <laughs> you know, and I'll say, you're right. You're right. So, you know, man, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of, uh, influence and, um, just in, uh, motivation that I take from Tupac, the outlaws, Layla, that whole camp. And just throughout my whole career is people from that camp been pushing me in that community. You know? yeah, I love that. Did you want to say something before, man? Oh, yeah, from before? Yeah. All right. So I tried to tie this in. I was thinking about this, too, because the rose that grew from the concrete, we talked about this on the show, right? Had a big impact on Leon. Yep. How do you think it affected you in terms of emotional literacy? Oh, this or guy. I love that. In general. I love that. I know it spoke to you. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, man. So, yeah, dude. So, you know, what's so funny because we had a yeah. conversation with this in our group chat the other day. So uh, we were talking about like how men don't tend to cry. And I was like, yeah, dude, like I still can't cry in front of people. So what's funny is that and I mentioned this as an example. I was like, yeah, what's so funny is the person that I respect the most, Tupac, would cry on camera, would cry in front of people, would write poetry about crying, would write songs about crying. And I'm like, shit, man, I still can't do it so like for me when i would think about something like the rose from the concrete so first of all like i grew up in the projects right so for me it was like shit man there was a point in my life where i never thought i was going to be anything i figured like i'd be just whatever like my family were doing so a lot of us were just like what i mean not me at the time but uh they were like white uh what's it called white collar uh they were blue collar workers and uh, so yeah. yeah yeah so and then the thinking there was like you know when you discover somebody like tupac and you hear something like the rose from the concrete uh you start to think like there probably or at least could be opportunities for you yeah. so what he says and i you know repeat this often is like when i write music it's for the kid who's really living a thug life and feels like it's hopeless and mm. so when you hear something like that and you think like damn yo we're not just like these downtrodden outcasts but there's somebody out there who made it out and who actually kind of wants to pull you in i mean obviously i never knew him personally but you still when you listen to his music you feel like you know he's pulling you up and when he says something like listen man my music is popular that's great but it's not really meant for that it's not meant for the person who's going to pick it up and then put it down next week it's meant for the kid who it's really going to touch and so yeah man i so i discovered Pac when i was 13 years old man i heard until the end of time for the first time and i was blown the fuck away 2000 you know whatever it was 2001 so i hear the song i'm like watching mtv or whatever it was yeah i think i was watching mtv like mtv2 at the time when you know we used to do like music videos yeah. so i'm watching this and i see i hear and i see until the end of time i was completely blown away by it man and i feel like Listen, I know there's a little bit of bias here because, I mean, I'm not him and he's certainly had a different life than I had. But, like, I've never really identified with other celebrity in the way that I did with him. So when I heard the lyrics and I was like, shit, man, like, so Papa Song is a good example for me. So Papa Song almost perfectly described my childhood. I was like, holy shit, had to play catch by myself. What a sorry sight, a pitiful plight. So I prayed to a starry night. And I'm like, yo, that's me. That was literally <laughs> me, like, hoping for a dad, you know? And I was like, shit. And he talks about his mom, like, going through these different relationships 
relationships and how like he's like shit man every time you know we meet every week and then the weekends and then you know it's a new guy and i'm thinking like damn yo that's literally me like i can't connect to a lot of these dudes because they're gone you know they would be here and then they'd be gone and then you know he has this this point where like his dad finally reaches out to him and he says something along the lines of like yeah man he's like you know uh, now that i finally found you stay the fuck away from me and that's what i was thinking when i was thinking of potentially <laughs> meeting my dad for the first time i was like yeah dude like if you come into my life now at this point like i don't really need you here anymore but again you know going back to the rose from concrete man what he's essentially saying is your trauma doesn't bind you yeah. and so for me as a therapist especially what i hear from that is that no matter what your dirty petals look like uh no matter the fact that you came from this really rough exterior the fact that the matter is somewhere within there is the potential for blooming and yeah man i mean just to, to hear something like that and to feel like that's possible especially in the world where honestly man it's usually rich people who get uh, who get around and get along you know like it's people who have connections it's people who essentially grew up with a with a kind of foundation especially a financial foundation that most of us didn't have especially as immigrants so yeah man i would say you know just like with you louis man so the identification there was so complete and i felt like yo if this person can can sort of not just make it but if this person can make it and be vulnerable about it so it can really be able to express themselves i'm certainly not there yet because i said again i can't do a lot of the stuff that Pac did uh but like just the fact that that's a possibility and just the fact that he was able to put himself in different people's shoes and perspectives and again just the fact that i identified with him so so deeply and so thoroughly man i've just i've never been able to find anything like that again so yeah man it's 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 like i just feel like i meet people like you brother like and we always get along and then i find out something like later like oh yeah well you know tupac's my favorite artist mm -hmm. i'm like man like I don't know what it is about Pac people, but we 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 identify, you know what I mean? We feel we have the same feelings. And, you know, I'm like, I'm in these schools too. Like I'm the same way. Like, you know, I, I just, I grew up like LA is very, the thing about LA that's like similar to like maybe a Chicago, but there's nowhere really like LA, you know, LA there's, there's nowhere as far as gangs that has, you know, we just, you're going to see someone you're going to be like a rapper that's like you know what i mean that type of rapper like you're going to get banged on the la you know maybe chicago is another place like but la is like there's just too many gangs we have way more gangs than anyone and you know that creates this kind of like you know shell you know what i mean if you're a young black youth or just really in general, just the youth, because they really be black, white, Latino, Asian gangs. Like it's, it's past just one race now. Um, and, you know, I grew up in that. I grew up in that. Like I, I, I used to think it was crazy when, when I would go into schools. Cause I used to be like, yo, like y'all don't even know, like y'all don't even know, like I was like out here for real, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and, you know, um, and, you know, and I was a national championship football player. So, you know, yeah. imagine fighting someone like that on your Friday night, like, you know, what I mean? <laughs> not, not to try to like glow, you know, because at the end of the day, I used to think that like being, you know what I mean? Being down, being, you know what I mean? Like a, a feared person from your hood or like a, you know, a, a, one of the top people, like whatever they want to call it, like being a reputable you know what I mean? I just wanted to do whatever I was going to do. I wanted to do it to the best mm -hmm. uh, of my ability. 
And, and, you know, for a long time, like I did feel like, you know what I mean? Like boxing champion, like how we say catch all fades and you know what I mean? And I used to realize, I used to think then like, it is crazy kind of that they have me in schools, you know what I mean? But then I realized that like, it's because I can identify with them in a way that the, 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 the teacher from Beverly Hills or from wherever is not going to. Right. I'm going to tell a kid, where are you from, cuz? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's where you from? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We'll have that conversation and he'll be real with me. And we'll actually get through. I had kids crying in my arms because, you know what I mean? Oh, they 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 friend got shot and they and they and they mom, uh, you know, and they grandma blamed them. Or I came in, I came in my my first time teaching at this spot. And, and mind you, I had did, you know, assemblies for thousands, tens, twenties of thousands of kids before I was like. Wow doing my actual, like every single day um, curriculum of Aim for the Heart, which is really Layla's, you know, uh, brainchild, you know what I mean? Or heart child, bringing it into school to where it's like not a bi-weekly thing, but this is every day, a full curriculum of emotional literacy. We talk about everything. And I had like my first, you know, workshop, I had this little girl who was a sixth grader and she she knowing you know they would she would get into trouble you know what i mean it's middle school so it comes in at sixth grade she would get into trouble getting kicked out of all her classes and stuff but in my class talking and being like a you know what i mean like someone who participates is a win you know what mm-hmm. i mean you don't do good so she start telling her story you know we write on our pieces each week same thing that she did with pot you know we did write on a new topic each week this girl wrote on the topic first week and she revealed in her piece that she had been, um, that she she came outside and she heard gunshots. She seen a dude, a man bleeding. They cop, they came, they told her to run upstairs and get some towels that a dude got shot trying to hop the fence at her house or whatever. Mm-hmm. She came downstairs, you know, seeing the dude got killed and that the dude was her dad. And then discovered that the person that was behind the shooting was her mom and wow. her mom got locked up. So now you got this little sixth grade girl in class. The The counselor's office don't know about it. The principal don't know about it. The teachers, no one knows that this even happened. How could, how could this have happened within one month? This kid's getting kicked out of classes and no one even knew what person could, could, sixth grader can deal with that and you Mm -hmm. not see some so you know it's very it was very evident to me like yo this is about this is valuable work because there some some kids don't have an outlet they don't have a friend that they could tell or their family is like the, the, the the school didn't even know that this happened um and so you know, I think it's very important to to have a create spaces. Uh, I I do it not because it's like I um, I believe that this class should be not necessarily by me teaching it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's social emotional learning, so people are learning a little bit more about that. But you know, there should be an emotional literacy class in every school. Every kid should take it. It should be just like science, just like math how you deal with things. It's like, that's the difference. You would see a lot less crime. You'd see a lot less mental illness, like if we prioritized it. And just to kind of run it back real quick, because I know we cut them close, 
But um, my first time going to San Quentin, you know, I, I, like I said, I come from that background of like gang ties and violence and survival, really. Like when I was 11 years old, a gang came to my house and burnt my house down and spray wow. painted. So it wasn't like, I wasn't like looking for this shit. This is just where, where I came from, you know what I mean? And um, at a certain, when I went to San Quentin, you know, I was, um, I thought like the, the the hardest thing was being able to be like, you know, a reputable stand on everything I am, who I am, like you could fight, you could, you know, you, you do whatever you solid, like that's kind of, I came into San Quentin really like we all the same, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? We the same, like, you know what I mean? One action changed the different, why you in here and why I'm not, you know what I mean? We all the same though, we have been through, not, you know, I'm not looking, what I'm saying is I'm not looking down at anyone or, uh, you know what I mean? We all, we the same, we just brothers, you know what I mean? Right. And, and so when I came in there, um, what I learned is the hardest thing is not about being the toughest guy, but what it, what ended up is because there was all these guys that was tough, they was yoked out, tattoos, you know what I mean? The, the roughest motherfuckers, the leaders of all the gangs that you know, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And I did this piece, it was called, I Should Have Killed You, you know what I mean? Uh, <clears throat> and it was about suicide, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, the way just like the room, just like the room was just breaking down, like everyone just like tears flowing, pouring, like, you know what I mean? You're not supposed to like, even like have contact with, with people inside, but it's like, you're doing this thing. People want to come give you a hug. You're giving her, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That to me taught me like, yo, what you thought, like the hardest thing being like tough guy, toxicity, like mm -hmm. that's, that ain't nothing compared to walking in the room of all the most toughest guys and breaking them down psychologically in their heart, like being able to just reach them in their heart. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So to me, like, you know, you, you, you can't take advantage, uh, you can't take uh, for granted, like um, the power of connecting to your heart. And I know for me, I have, I'm the same way. Like when my little brother got killed, like, it was, I couldn't cry. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, I thought there was a certain like thing that happened in action. I remember specifically that I was like, like, I just wanted to cry. But I was like raging, like want to throw yeah. chairs and stuff because it couldn't, it wouldn't come. So I felt like I like I had to do other things to like, like punch walls and shit to kind of get the anger out because it wasn't coming. Um, and now, you know, I like, I can cry. I, I, I have to hold back tears for movies. <laughs> Like I cry writing songs. I've gone into, I've cried. It's been hard to perform sometimes. You cry and you less a note, you know what I mean? That's how you tap into your best shit is in mm -hmm. your heart. That's what Pac did, man. And that's why Pac wasn't afraid to do that shit. That's why his shit hit. We, we're so much more connected to his shit than other people's yeah. art from the time because he wasn't afraid to go to that place and that place is it's evident we all hear still because of he did that so you know definitely that's a uh inspiration for me and being able to reach deep and making it look tough and real and like you you still gangster you more gangster because you can reach and cry and you're not afraid 
you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah, and then, you know, so growing up in the 90s, uh, and I know it's so, I mean, we come from a particular, like, community, so technically it's kind of like this for us now to some extent, but especially growing up in the 90s, man, yeah, with emotional literacy, I mean, nobody gave a shit in school, like, why you were cutting, why you were sad, uh, yeah, why you were getting into fights with people, because I got into trouble all the time, and not one teacher was like, oh, hey, is everything okay at home? Is everything okay at school? It was more like, yo, get your shit together. So when you hear somebody like Pac for the first time, I mean, he gives voice to those feelings that you've always had, but couldn't really sort of, first of all, access, and then second of all if you were able to access them you couldn't really even make sense of them mm-hmm. you couldn't explain where they came from sometimes you couldn't even explain what they were but there he was and he told you like hey you know when uh, i saw the tears in my mama's eyes when i contemplated suicide and you're like oh shit this is the stuff that i could never talk about in my household so actually mm-hmm. alan i want to bring this up to you man i know this is going to be kind of a tough question i mean so okay you know we're talking about mental health emotional literacy did you feel like you also kind of struggled with your emotions too like bringing them out telling people or do you feel like it was easier for you Oh no, yeah, for real, yeah. So like, there'd be music. So I, I'm a big like uh, rock, like heavy metal. Well, not so much these days, but that's what I was into, like in high school. So like, there were groups like, uh, you know, whether Lincoln it's Park. like Lincoln Park or Disturbed yeah. or something like that. And Hell then, yeah. yeah, and then the the lyrics, like especially in Disturbed songs. It's not coming to mind right now, but there were things that I would hear in the music that would kind of help me get through issues or hard times, you know, or deal like maybe I would be at the gym. Maybe I'm like running or something like that. And I'm listening to the music and the lyrics of a song. And I'm kind of imagining things that are happening in my life to the lyrics of the song mm-hmm. and kind of making sense of things. Yep. And actually kind of it was like therapy for me. Yeah, yeah. You know? Oh, interesting. And then, Louis, no, great. Okay, now I have a question for you, man. So do you feel like a lot of the stuff that you guys do in terms of emotional literacy, do you feel like, and listen, I understand, like, you know, you guys aren't necessarily trying to be trained therapists, but do you find that a lot of the conversations you guys have when you are vulnerable and somebody is able to empathize with you and see themselves in you, does it also feel therapeutic for a lot of these kids? Yeah. Um, you know, interestingly, uh, I'm, I'm in, like, right now, so we're going to, I think this the doing nyu uh on tuesday but that but in uh at my middle school so we're in this middle school called audubon which is in crenshaw so it's like the primary you know it's in lamert park it's the like black school you know uh there's to the to the west of it is the jungles so got all the kids that are the children of the BPS, you know what I'm saying? All the bloods, you know, but then to the South is the sixties, the Roman 60 Crips, you know what I mean? And the thirties are right there. So you're, you're literally in the middle. The school is right here. You're right in the middle of, and most like when they talk about most, you know, you've heard Suge Knight talk about, Oh, I know the guy who did, I went to all these guys went to school together. So once they come from um, Audubon Middle School, all the Crips go to Crenshaw High and all the Bloods go to Dorsey High, right? And, and so I just said to say, you know, at that, that school, um, and then I'm also in a school in Union, um, in Union, Pico Union, which is the biggest Latino neighborhood in LA. It's like the, it's down the street from the Staples Center and it's actually like the most, uh, the most, um, what do you call it? Like stacked, um, mm. populated area mm-hmm. in, in LA. Um, 
just yeah super super so in that school I have an office and I share my office with the school psych mm -hmm. who's also a black dude who's a hip-hop fan really cool um, but I just think it's interesting because me and him have a lot of conversations because he's school psych and I, I don't have any of the like um, educational yeah. years he put in his work, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but I think that like we're both very like we're very connected, you know what I mean? Within the work that the first thing is just listening to people or giving people a platform to express themselves, you know what I mean? Because I'm not about if I'm a therapist or whatever. It's about can I give you a, a can I give you a tool that can help you express yourself. You know what I mean. Mm -hmm. um, and so I do think like it's therapeutic. It's there. It's very therapeutic. I do. I I do see. I th I still excuse me. I still think that therapy as well is also an awesome thing if you can afford it if you can like go do that like go do that too like there's nothing wrong with you don't have to pick one of them mm -hmm. um but i would say that music absolutely therapeutic in fact scientifically it's actually therapeutic it's not like you know I, you guys saw the ted talk it's not like even mm -hmm. even without the words if you couldn't even understand the words it's still therapeutic depending upon what music um but then again when you get to talking about like actually expression of yourself and then listening to other people hearing, you know, what they're going through so you can identify with it. It's a, it's not therapy, but it's a therapeutic exercise for sure. So. Yeah, man. I, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like even just the metaphors, man, like so sometimes when again, we can't access our feelings, just a metaphor that maybe doesn't necessarily like it's so obviously metaphors don't describe right, but they kind of imply. So I remember in the good that young Napoleon says, uh, I was uh, I had I was in a hearse because it was my bed first. And I was like, what? I was like, that's it. That's what it's like to live that life. Like, holy shit, I was born in a hearse because it was my bed first. So the point he was saying, right, you know, kind of for the for the audience member here who doesn't know is he was making the point that like that's how dangerous our lives are that's how depressed we were like there's so much in that one tiny metaphor and you hear these things and you're like shit man i don't even sometimes even have to necessarily label my emotions but just hearing somebody somewhat sort of allude to it lets me know that they understand what i'm going through so yeah man, man now yeah yeah go ahead man no, no, I'm just saying, man, I feel you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. See, <laughs> so, yeah. so, yeah, Louis, you know, going into your music specifically, man. Yeah, so can you tell us about sort of some of this, uh, let's say the feelings, some of the experiences that come up and what? And actually now that you're asking about that, yeah, and also the the Web3 project that you're yeah. working on and and the album uh, Famous in the Metaverse. So really interested in hearing about that, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So essentially, how does your music sort of connect to other people? Yeah, is really the question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then just to just to tie right before I jump into that, just to tie it back to like something that uh that I like that happened to me yesterday that I just thought was so cool, you know, like is that from this exercise of writing down my thoughts, sharing them, but just understanding like writing down my thoughts is one thing I developed from doing that is, you know, this is a text world. We're sending texts, we're sending messages. So you know, um, I developed this thing where sometimes I'll get really, you know, we all get mad. Someone's sending something. We don't like something that's happened. Mm -hmm. yeah. And someone sent us a message. We're communicating them. So I got into this thing of like, really through aim of writing my text messages, 
specifically angry ones mm. in my notepad mm. like not writing them like like okay let me do you know what let me just take this i'm still finished the message and i write out a full thing that just said everything i was mad about and everything i had to get out and then i put it in there and that's fine i wrote it out like that was the therapy i got i said what i needed. i don't necessarily need to say it for you to hear it to you but I need to say what I need to say. And that's what I've kind of realized about, you know, uh, my own emotional literacy, which is just understanding how you are. Oh, you actually feel better. Like, it's not that you need to say that to that motherfucker. You just need to get it out of yourself. So there was this guy, you know, real quick, there was this guy, I don't know if he might see it anyway, but love to, that we have Discord. Web3 is about Discord, you know? And so Discord is uh, like, another space where you can your fans meet and gather and talk to you and he you know you this is people around the world you know what I mean this is people around the world and like my project is you know like like getting a you know getting around the world through through this um platform for sure and web3 and and so you get a taste, it's called famous in the metaverse, but you get a, a taste per se. It's like a micro industry. Mm. You know what I mean? It's a micro industry. You're seeing everything that the Drake and the Kanye's and these guys are seeing, but you have your own little micro industry. And within that, um, you know, there's benefits that these guys can win. You, you're, you're connected to your fans. So you may not see all your uh, thousand Instagram comments, mentions, but in Web3, like, I'm going to look through like most of my, most of my comments, but when you're the one that's dropping on all these pages from us, Korea, Italy, you know, Amsterdam, like in, they all have their own chat rooms, you know, discord. So if you're the one dropping like in that day or that moment or whatever, probably that's what they're talking about you in that discord, you know? And, and so, yeah, there was this one guy that one day was saying something and he was just saying like, he wasn't happy with his reward, which is nothing to do with me. It's tech stuff. This is tech, Web3 is tech. And, you know, so I said, I just said to say like, that, all I'm gonna say is like, uh, it wouldn't have nothing to do with me. I just, he just said what he was saying. And it's really more of a tech thing that like he, uh, it's not saying he didn't like the song or something or, or whether he does or not, it's not, a, you know what I mean, up to me, but but he said something I didn't like, mm. you know what I mean? I didn't like it. it, I was a human, I'm a human being. I'm like, you know what I mean? I'm in this motherfucker. Like <laughs> you, you, you go talk about me like I'm, in, like I'm not in here, I'm in here. Oh, I hate when people do that, yeah. You know what I mean, I'm in mm -hmm. here. So I wrote this whole thing down, you know, but at the end of the day, these are my fans, you know what I mean? Like, I love them. Like they can say what they, what they want to say. We're all human beings. Like, I don't, I wasn't trying to, to not have no one say nothing, you know what I mean? So anyway, I wrote this whole thing down. I was going to write, you know what I mean? But I just, like I said, I try to keep positive vibes. I'm about positivity. Like I don't yeah. want no problems with no one, especially someone supporting my work. That That's anyway, he, uh, I wrote this whole thing. I, I, I cut it, cut and copied it out of my messages, put it into my notepad, mm. left it at that, ain't say nothing. You know what I mean? You don't got to give everyone a piece of your energy. You know, right. you want to give yo, some of your positive energy. There's people who's giving you positive, you get that. You don't got to give everyone. Someone give you yeah. negative energy, you don't got to give it back to them. Mm -hmm. You know, the next day, two days, you know, 
the same person in the in the chat talking about man i love that lewis king guy he's such a good person man like uh, like that like you know so it just goes to show you you know like you you i don't know i i use that to writing things down i use that in life and it actually works for me and and I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting story because it's another way that you could, you're not just only using it for it to do music, but you're just using this to teach you how to find the right way to express yourself because mm -hmm. the right way is not always like cussing someone out or staring, you know, but anyway, right. just back into the web three thing. Um, because yeah, like, I don't even know. I probably shouldn't have said that, but the one thing I'm going to say is like, I do want to just shout out all my fans in the in the Discord and in all the different chat rooms, Twitter spaces. Um, I do see what you <laughs> what you write, you know. And and honestly, for the most part of it, like that's the type of stuff that keeps me going. You know, I would do it if it were for myself. You know what I mean? But like the fact that I can make songs, and this is kind of related to pop that are, I'm not creating for the radio. I'm not creating these songs to fit in with what, what Drake and what YG putting out on, on the airwaves. I'm not, I don't care what they dropping. No disrespect, I like they should yeah. thinking about what they're dropping when I'm thinking about what I'm dropping. So, so I can put a song that's like a B-side song in the normal world as my main hit single. Like I'm telling you, I'm doing these, I'm making these songs about emotional stuff i could make turn up rap and this and all that but my core fan base kind of like in the way tupac is like yeah he has hella fans from hit him up but like you know it's those keep your head ups those dear mamas those that are like you know what i mean keep keep you you know until the end of time that's like keeping you like yo like yeah like anyone can make a diss song but like anyone can't make until the end of time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and so and, and not anyone can't do it in the way Pac can do at least this song anyway, but I'll, but you get what I'm saying? So my things, I kind of have that thing where it's like, you know, I like the turn up music and I can make that. And I'm working on a lot of upbeat stuff, but my core fans, a lot of them are, are, are into the melodies and into the feeling. And so, um, and so, yeah, with Web3, that's a place where, like, I can really put out my music, um, the stuff that I wanted put out, and my fans can receive it, and them songs can go number one. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, like, them songs can go number one in the Web3 space because it's it's free of influence of, like, you know, you, you think that the number one song on the Billboard charts is the number one song, but, like, that's not really the reality. There's hmm. really, there's a lot of other BS that's going into what decides the number one. That's why we have amazing songs that are coming out from artists around the world, but they never would have any chance of going number one. The number one billboard songs are gonna be a, a pool of artists that are belong to a certain, you know, prioritized community, whether it be because of money, connections or whatever. And mm -hmm. that's just how the game is. There's nothing wrong with that. You got to get yourself, you want to be number one on Billboard, get your shit up. But what Web3 is doing and what I'm trying to be one of the pioneers for is creating your own unorthodox world where you don't have to deal with that. You can cut the middleman out and work directly with your fans 
and you don't need a million fans to make a career, you know, because just to kind of give you like, you know, uh, like a, a sum, it's like, okay, um, my first collection, so these are going for, these are 100 NFTs mm -hmm. going for $100 each. There's five of them in the collection, you know, so that's sold out. So, you know, for five songs, um, you know, that was, that was different than I had ever. I didn't know for sure. Oh, you could sell out. You know, I sold over uh, maybe six, 700 units in that first collection for it. So it sold out. Um, and then I thought, okay, well, you can do even more than that. You know what I mean? You can like, cause I'm doing all these projects with, uh, um, with these amazing artists on it. So I thought, okay, well, this could be something where I could bring some of these major artists in Web3. That would just be big for the whole community of crypto because crypto want the exposure, excuse me. Mm -hmm. And I also know artists, once artists find out how profitable this is, they're not gonna be cool with getting scraps from Spotify. Like I'm yeah. world for that, like, you know, so it's like this, um, this project is 10 songs. It's each song costs $200 and there's 100 units of it. Mm. So like, I don't wanna like talk about bad about um, any mainstream artist or anyone, but we could we could talk about, you know, there's a couple of people who dropped this week, you know what I mean? Um, that are major rappers, you know what I mean? Top level rappers. And the numbers that they're hitting, like, these guys are not making anywhere close to what we're making in Web3. Like your favorite rappers, you know what I mean? They're not like, like maybe like Drake and Kendrick, you know what I mean? And you know what I mean? But besides that, like a lot of these really famous guys, like if you do the math, like they're not making that much money really off of music. They might make money off of shows, endorsements, but they're not making like off of music and sales. So what we can do with 200 fans, they can't do with 2 million fans. And, and so that's where the power of Web3 is. Once they realize that, that, that this, they're gonna jump into that. And, and the fans as well, they benefit because I was like watching this Drake uh, video when Drake was at the, um, shouts to Drake. I, I don't know why people hate on Drake. The, the dude is is successful dude. So I, I don't mm -hmm. want, I'm bringing up Drake because he part of pop culture. I'm not mm -hmm. saying negative about him, but I was saying that he was, he was um, performing somewhere. I think it was yeah on his tour. And he was saying like, man, y'all paying, you know, uh, 5,000, you know, y'all paying a thousand dollars to get my front row sick a ticket. What are you even getting about out of it? I'm smoking and drinking up here. And, <laughs> and I, you know, what are you getting out of it? I'm having a great time, you know? And mm. I just thought, Oh, that's like, he, it wasn't wrong, nothing wrong with what he said. He's being real. He's thinking, damn, y'all paid $1,000 to sit in the front row. Like, you're just watching it. I'm the one having the fun, <laughs> you know? Um, but, you know, we all know, hey, plenty of us would pay $1,000 to go see our favorite artists in concert. There's nothing wrong with that. Please, yeah. let's keep that going. Uh, at the same time, when Web3, we create utilities for our fans. So, uh, you could act on gala music. Like one of the things was you could go backstage to a Drake concert. Um, you know, we had Earl Sweatshirt and Alchemist drop with gala music. So we had a smoke session. You, you know, the winner went and smoked, smoked the blunt with, or smoked the whatever, had a smoke session with Alchemist and Earl. Um, Snoop had the gala verse where he invited a bunch of his fans, um, you know, and, 
And yeah, so there's like these utilities per se. Um, and then on top of that, it's also crypto. So it's like they're earning real rewards. I had one, um, I, I was talking to a fan yesterday. He's telling me off, uh, pretty much off of my songs and Earl Sweatshirt songs, he's making $100 a day on Web3. Wow. He owns he owns nodes and he owns our songs. Mm. So every time someone streams those songs, mm. he's getting benefits. Only a wow. hundred people are getting those benefits. Mm -hmm. and so they actually making money, more money as a fan of us than, than most artists is making off of their own money. And then right. when we talk about streams, because I know there's a lot to get in, but we talk about what you're making off of streams. There are other DSPs, I'm not gonna say names, but you know the ones. You talking about 0.003 per stream. You know, mm. you gotta get a thousand, you gotta get a million streams yeah. to, to, to make a couple thousand dollars. You know, we we get 10 cents per stream. 10 cents Man. per stream. Uh, aside from, and we don't make our money, we making our money on the front end. So like if you do the math on one, on on a, a song that's two hundred dollars, a hundred copies, that's twenty thousand dollars, and that's not coming next year when the single. You know what I mean? You know how many mm -hmm. streams you have to get to get twenty thousand dollars? Like if you think of it, you'd have to get you would have to get five million streams in one day. Wow, that's wild. You know. That's crazy. Um, and you might not get that money for another year. You might be splits. There might be this. The label get this, that. Yeah, There's yeah. all types of stuff. That's just one song. Um, so yeah, and then and then yeah, something else really cool that we do that I just mentioned, like, because I feel like it's worthwhile and just understanding business and like seeing, hey, this ain't a, even about me. Go stream my shit, famous in the metaverse. You got hellish, hella amazing tracks. This is going to be a big thing in the Web3 space that's going to help bring a lot of other major artists over and fans. But aside from that, if you are an artist, like you need, to, you need to make this jump. Like I want to be one of the ones that help lead the way. Um, mm -hmm. And one cool thing that we did that um, is we did this mystery box, me and Snoop on Super Bowl Sunday. At 1 p.m., we dropped the mystery box, $5.00. You get a chance to win our song "Sweet Music," and a couple and some other awesome, cool things, posters, and there's another song that's a pink track and some gala crypto stuff, crypto stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, I don't even know where it's at now. I can't even check, but you know, <laughs> it would just say like it was very successful. They did like at least fifty thousand units in the first twenty four hours. So you know, do the math, like you know, that's over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars generated off of one song in in twenty four hours. And this was this is separate. This is like different than the other. You know, I'm telling you about the two hundred. These these people were paying for a chance to win uh, one of these. So I'm just saying this from a business standpoint to kind of show people like there's a lot of unorthodox ways that you can be successful in the music industry. And you don't have to go the same route as really anyone that you know. There's actually a bunch of new rules that we, you know, we breaking this, we breaking the boundaries. And you're looking at UMG, you're looking at Universal and all these labels like 
they're getting fucked up. They're trying to make their own companies about it. Like, no offense to anyone, I'm still down with major labels too, but you know, sure. like I'm an independent artist and I've really pushed it my way. And I'm just me watching and I'm seeing them, you know, they're firing a bunch of people at all these companies, uh, major layoffs. They just took all the music off of TikTok. They're making this new creator program where you can pay to have a, to, you could pay universal music to be able to use their songs on social media. And so what I see is like, they trying to find a way, they trying to find yeah. some because yeah. this shit is slipping. And let me tell you, at, at once, once another, like as these major artists start coming into the web three space, you're gonna see the fans transition and the artists transition because no one is gonna take less than a cent when someone like me, who y'all probably didn't even know about since before last week, is making <laughs> some of your favorite artists, yeah, you know. Man. So, you know, I say that not to brag because I'm not. I'm. I'm just. I'm saying this to reach out to to bring us together to yeah. to like liberate. We are fucking artists, man. We're not slaves. And like for me, it's deeper because I told you about my God, my my father and my mm. godfather. These were black African men who were ripped off by the industry i'm telling you they took my dad's his his uh passport the money they got all their luggage they took and left these 11 africans in central park this is at the time my dad is 84 so you know before we were faint we were famous in the music industry and in the entertainment industry as a people right mm -hmm. before we could even have our freedom you know what i mean we wasn't even drinking <clears throat> we wasn't even allowed to drink <clears throat> at the same water fountain, but we was famous artists. You know what I mean? So we ain't mm. never really had a fair chance to have ownership. We was never at the table for the Spotify talk. Even you got people like Marvin Gaye who passed away living in their parents' house because he couldn't, I'm not talking, like I'm, I'm not trying to talk negative. I'm saying like, yo, oh, yeah. this talented brother deserved yeah, yeah everything he deserved millions his parents owned houses and i don't even know the details to speak on it but i know that if for some reason this man couldn't afford his own house that's ridiculous we listen to marvin gay every fucking day yeah. you know what i mean and so all i'm saying is like it shouts to marvin gay i'm giving you love brother i ain't all up to the family of marvin gay and i just want to say like you know this is a it's a cultural thing uh as far as music like inclusion um, hip hop, you know what I mean? Like it's, you know, we, so for me, my project on web three being a hip hop project, even though I do lots of neo soul and funk, it was purposely supposed to be hip hop to create the intersection of web three and hip hop is mm -hmm. ownership. And, and this is a place where all of us, all of us universally, universally black, bright, black, white, purple, orange, yellow, you can you can come to this space and create a home and find your movement and find your niche and not have to fit into the BS. So that's my that's my uh, explanation. I love it, man. Yeah, yeah, and and such a great endpoint too. Yeah, you guys like took the mix game mixtape game and you pretty much like found a great way to make money and stuff. And this up. gives power back to the artist. Yeah, right. You're not beholden to these uh rec uh what's called these uh yeah record yeah, yeah. companies 
uh, Spotify and the views. How yeah, and that's what mixtapes were, you know, and that's yeah. the thing. And that's like, this is mixtapes like times 10. So yeah. Okay. So just to be mindful of Louis time here, man. So we're going to wrap up Alan final questions before we go, man. Yeah. Uh, if, if we wanted to, you know, follow you, follow your work and of course buy the new, uh, well, album. Yeah. Uh, where could we do that? Yeah. Aim for the heart, all of that stuff, man. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you can follow me at Louis King, L O U I I K I N G. That's on all social media. And if you do that, you can find my music. Um, I am on all the DSPs, so you can find me on there too. But with the album that I am promoting right now, rolling out this famous in the metaverse that you've heard about this interview, DMX and Wiz Khalifa and Snoop and all these guys, Griselda. Um, this is exclusively on Gala Music. So you could just go over to my profile on my Instagram, click on and click on the bio and you'll see, it'll take you to Gala Music. Or you could just search Gala Music. You'll go, you, you just type my name in on the front page, on the home page, mm -hmm. and you'll find it just like Spotify or something. There's an app too. You could download the Gala Music app. Also, really, you can just go to the Gala Music homepage and you'll just see my music on there. You'll see it in the top. You'll see the chance to win the Lewis King um, mystery box and you'll see, um, probably famous in the metaverse, which is the name of the project. And so that's how you find it. Um, like I said, Louis King on all platforms, aim for the heart. Um, that's aim for the heart. That's the number four, aim for the heart.org. That's our website. Anyone interested in doing any events or collaborations or that type of thing, um, feel free to either reach out to the um to the website email mm -hmm. contact or feel free to reach out to me personally i'll connect you or we'll make you know we can put, connect it up and yeah i just want to i just want to really um because i always feel bad i always feel worried after interviews that i didn't like shout my people out mm -hmm. i just want to really spend send a thank you one you know to layla steinberg you know what i mean the work she's doing is incredible um, and just an amazing human being. Um, and then um, want to shout out to um, everyone over at Gala Games and Gala Music. They're just, it's literally a dream to work with them over there. They're, they're just so good at what they do and they work very hard. Um, and, you know, I just have gratitude toward to them. Um, Gala Games as well. Um, if you don't know, get on Gala Games play. Yeah. Um, Shout out and yeah, shout out to really big shout out to everyone in, in in that's just supporting this project. All the fans and friends, really, I call y'all y'all like friends, y'all my fam um, from Visit Flow, you know what I mean, to RNG Crypto and Crypto Runner and Button Pusher. You know, I could go on naming the names of all the guys and Dice. You know what I mean? Um, I'm gonna feel bad. I'm missing people. You know. But all I'm saying is like, you guys are really um, pushing me, lifting me up and helping me to be able to uh, impact um, the, the youth, you know what I mean? And our programs that we're doing and to be able to help, you know, change the world. Cause I do think that's what we're all doing this for. So I thank you brothers for having me, taking the time to have me and, you know, help um, lifting up, you know, this work on your platform. I'm, I'm grateful for you.
Absolutely, man. And so, I mean, two, amazing, two, two things, man. Number one, you are such an inspirational dude, man. Yeah. Like really amazing stuff. Uh, and number two, if you do ever get a chance, man, please let Layla know that I've been an, I've been an admirer of her work since I was probably like 13, 14 years old, man. She's such a meaningful person. It's like, it's just incredible the stuff that she does. So thank you again, man. Louie, dude, this was fucking bomb, man. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. But either way, man, it's great talking to y'all. I know we're going to connect um soon and you know looking forward to sharing this interview with the people absolutely man all right man good luck with everything man we'll talk to you soon take care man. all right brother y'all be safe man take care all right all right that was awesome okay so everybody if you want to follow us you can follow us at seize the moment podcast on facebook and on instagram on twitter where it sees underscore podcast like subscribe hit, hit the, the bell, bell on, on YouTube. youtube and again thank you so much for watching and see you next time.